Welcome back to this week's edition of Men of the Machine. I'm Kevin. And this is Craig. And today we are going to do the third installment of Sandman of the Machine. Uh, the Trinity. Like Blade Trinity. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That had Ryan Reynolds in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is the first recording in my new home, which means I have not prepared for this at all. And this room is super echoey. And if you can't hear it on the recording, then more power to you. But if you can, deal with it for one episode. It'll be like a 40-minute episode because I have a feeling uh, we're going to get through this one quick. So Yeah, it's it's a short volume compared to the last two. Yeah, trade th- trade volume three Sandman part th- section. Dream uh, Country. Trace. Dream Country. And uh, the reason why we're saying this one's going to be short is it's four standalone issues. So the other ones have been... Hold on, one eight issues long. This one's only four, so it's half as long. And none of them are part of the... I mean, they're all a part of the story, but none of them are, like, continuations of any sort of mini-arcs or anything. Yeah. They're all self-contained. They're, they're one-shots. Check it out. Oh, that the, the demon cat. She, she doesn't like closed doors. <laughs> um, all right, so... Let me in. Uh, it's called Dream Country. No for... Dream Country for Old Men. That would be so much better if it was called that. For no apparent reason. I mean, there's not... It doesn't take place in the dream world. It also doesn't really involve dream. Oh, no, it does every time, doesn't he? Only for the first three. Yes. The last one is more about death. Yes, that's true. So it's not even fully about dream or Morpheus or whatever the heck. He has like three other names in this book. Uh, But it's about... And they're in order, so... Yep. The the later trade, I think it's the seventh or sixth trade, is like a collection of random sections of the book. But everything up to them is sequential. So this is actually how Sandman 17, 18, 19, and 20 came out. Oh. This isn't like grabbing one-shots from random parts. This is actually, if you were reading this back in 1990, this is how they came out. Which is kind of cool, but also a little like, I don't know, unjarring a little bit if you're like trying to stick to the story and all of a sudden... You get, you get a one-shot. Those happen. But this would be like the opportune time to throw them in there. Um, the one thing that... It wasn't bad, but it was kind of off in Volume 2 is they had the story of Hob right in the middle of the story that w- had Rose. So it's yes. kind of disjointed here, there. But here, it's just these one-shots after we finished an arc. Well, so that's what I, I like is it kind of... Um, it gives you better understanding for dream like each of these give you a little bit of dream and why he is the way he is but when they're in the middle of arcs like that you're like reading the story reading the story take a break to learn more about the guy reading the story reading the story but now it's like break to learn break to learn break to learn break just because the story is good and then back to the story i don't know no you have different takes on it i liked it i loved it actually for that matter this is continuing the trend of it just getting better. Like, 1 to 2 was a major, like, oh, step yeah, in was, the right direction. You notice that uh, Neil found his pace when he, yeah. like, finished that first arc, and he was like, okay, I'm going to focus less on sh- shoehorning DC in there. Like, yeah. as we mentioned before, the DC references, the greater DC universe that was referenced in Volume 2, was a bit more subtle. It wasn't so yeah. in-your-face wasn't like, hey, here's Martian And Man this Hunter. one, too. This one has a DC reference in it pretty pretty major, too. Um, the entire fourth issue. Oh, facade? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the entire... Um, yeah, I didn't pick up on that one, because I'm not as well-versed in DC. Element Girl. Uh, oh. I actually read about her history and stuff like that. Um, she's a DC superhero. Um, um, you probably heard the name Metamorpho. If if you haven't, um, he's a DC superhero who has the exact same powers. He can just turn his body into any element at any given time, like kind of control that. And uh, yeah, well, when we get there, it's he's a big character. She had like a little short run in this story, actually. I won't spoil it. Yeah. So um, the first one, Calliope. uh, Calliope, which I didn't read it as Calliope in my head. I honestly don't even know how I said it in my head anymore, but. Calliope is the story of... I love how Neil Gaiman keeps bringing real people into these, like, in very major ways. 
uh, like with uh, that artist, or not artist, author? Yeah, the author. Of, what What was his name, Frank? Eric? Uh, Eric? The old one or the... The old guy, yeah. Uh, let's see, it's hard to find the exact page. Oh, the most boobies so far is in this oh yeah is in this issue there is a lot of nakedness because it's freaking so the last issue two got or volume two got weird with uh the collectors oh yeah definitely got a little weird but this issue took that sort of like writing pain and human desire slash basically the evil that's harnessed in a couple people is pretty messed up so while you're looking up his name, I'll give you the premise. Uh, also, whatever his book was called, I had to Google it. It's a super famous book. Um, this author is collecting a, it's like a seed, basically, at the very beginning. I can't remember what it's called. A ball, a bart. Oh, a uh, uh, bazaar. B- yeah, a bazaar. They actually have one in uh, like a lot of like fantasy work and stuff oh, yeah, like that. It, like it's, it's a super... Um, bazaar comes up in book three. Five of Harry Potter. That's what I was going to say. When Ron gets poisoned on accident. Yeah. I Shove a bazaar rem- down his throat. Yeah, I couldn't remember if yeah, it was no. actually a bazaar or not. Yeah, bazaar is a mythical item that cures poison pretty much. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, um, this young author collects a bazaar and he gets a call and it's very apparent that he hasn't written a story in forever for his publisher. He takes the bazaar to uh, this old gentleman who you find out later is a really famous author and... Gives it to him in exchange for this blonde younger woman. And it turns out she is a muse. She's a a sprite, a fairy of sorts, but she's a uh, muse. Yeah, uh, for just a quick like mythology lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, in ancient Greek mythology, muses were these beings, sort of like the gods, that whose sole purpose was to give inspiration yeah. uh towards the arts and whatnot yeah and then if you've seen dogma kevin smith uses the same concept yeah serendipity and what what was the demon who used to be amused uh was he inspiration uh, there's a line where, where he was like i was an artist i was blank oh yeah i don't remember are you talking about uh when they're in the bar yes yeah and he's in the white suit and all yeah. that yeah i can't remember what what he used to be but so anyways, he trades him a bazaar in exchange for this girl, and the old artist tells him, you know, I know you've yada yada, you've had trouble writing. This old guy's a real dick. Oh, yeah. He's like being super big asshole. And he's like, take her, and you'll write better than you ever have or something. You'll you'll become world known. No, and, and, he, and he's an ugly mother. Yeah, yeah, he is. And they don't really explain how muses work at all, but... The very first thing that the young author decides to do when he gets her home is rape her. Yep. In, right off the bat, just boom, walks in the house and he just just has his way. And it's really messed up because his understanding is that she's not a, a real person. Yeah. She's just she's not human. Yeah, but then he, he, he references like she she cries and weeps whenever I hurt her. Her skin is soft and warm as if she was actually human. Okay, I don't know why I'm having such a... Hard time finding this dude's name. The young guy's name is Richard Maddow. Yeah, but he's not a real person. That's for the character. Yeah. That's for the story. Uh, Calliope. Calliope. Oh, if you go right to the end of it when he's sending her away. Here Comes a Candle is the name of the book uh, that this guy wrote. And, oh, goodness, why can't I? I only have looking at the page you're on now. Yep. But well, here, a quick Google search of Here Comes a Candle. Uh, Frederick Brown. Frederick, what was his last name? Brown. Brown. He is, yeah, they actually put him in this, which I wonder if Neil Gaiman got in, like, trouble with the family of this guy in any way, because he does not portray him as a good guy. Oh, no, not at all. any way, shape, or form. Like, he basically just keeps telling this young author to piss off, and, like, he's good for nothing, and he's lucky he's doing this for him, and (laughs) such and such. And he just has her locked away, but it explains later that she has no choice but to obey whatever is said because yeah there's some sort of contract she well she carried around a a uh scroll with her like whenever she went and did anything you know like that was for whatever reason yeah. the the muse had to have it on her i just saw it That's when uh, when the old author was explaining how he got her 
Uh, he mentioned it goes into the flashback to 1927 in Greece. He finds her bathing in a pond, and he already has like the scroll and some other thing, and he. It's does, a rose. Yeah. It's a flower. Does some magic shit and he's like, oh, you're bound to me. Got your contract and shit. You have to serve me. Yeah. All it says is it was her scroll. So it was it was a part of her in some way. I mean, who knows how mythology works. They could really say whatever they wanted. It could also just be like a Neil Diamond thing because earlier on in like volume one, we learned that Dream infuses some of his own power into objects he gives. Like when he got Did you say Neil Diamond? Maybe. I could have swore you said, and so I Neil thought you. I thought you were going to reference this into like Sweet Caroline or like a lyric or something, and I was like, Neil, I don't know what the heck's going on here. Neil Gaiman. You might have said Gaiman, and I misheard it. But if you said Neil Diamond, that's I, it's possible. I said that. I sometimes slip. What's her name? Calliope. Sweet Calliope. Calliope. I don't know the words after that. I can't. I can't continue it. Uh, but yeah. Uh, like when Dream first went to go visit Cain and Abel was like, I need something that has my power. And Cain's all like, nah, we don't have any of that. But Abel's like, hey, we have this paper. And he's like, oh, yeah, give me that. Okay, I got some power back. So it might be like the same deal. Yeah, and he's like, she's complaining to him. She's like, you promised me you'd set me free before you died. And he's just like, oh, oh, oh all Aww. authors are liars or all writers are liars. Uh, you have to go with him. And it's what I say. And then she even like cries to this guy. What was his name again? Uh, Richard Maddock. Yeah, I'll never remember that. To Richie. Richie. She goes to Richie and she's like crying. She's like, you have to set me free. I've been with this guy for like 60 years or something yeah. like that. And uh, he's like, nope, my deal's a deal. You're mine. And his first action, this is the words. I'm reading the words, not. His first action was to rape her nervously on the musty old camp bed. <laughs> like, why you got to use those words, Neil? Why you got to, ex- like, I understand for the sake of the story, you have to explain what's going on but the nice thing about a comic slash the terrifying thing about a comic i can see it you don't have to use those words neil it's freaking like her eyes are like glossed over white she's like leaning back on the bed basically just giving up entirely because she really can't handle it and he says she's not even human he told himself she's thousands of years old but her flesh was warm and her breath was sweet and she choked back tears like a child whenever he hurt her. <laughs> Why you gotta use those words, Neil? We will, uh Coming from the fact that we just got out of the volume with a bunch of serial killers. But it just goes to show like, we have become desensitized to murder. There's no getting around oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. You see it every day, you play video games with it, you read books about it, I read a lot of comics about it, like it's, Murder has become, like, second nature. It's screwed up, but you understand it. I don't think we'll ever get desensitized to rape. Oh, nor no. should we. But no, Of course not. Also, in- Oh, that is just hard to... Like, when I was reading it, I was actually at work, like, scrolling through my phone, and I was like, Ugh, I feel so unclean. Yeah, but being in our country, America, I don't know if we have any international viewers. I mean, listeners, probably not, but if we and do... Viewers, yeah. And viewers just watching us. Yeah, no, I put cameras cameras everywhere. Don't worry about it. Uh, America, we do not like talking about that subject. And when we do, it's it's made very light of. Yeah. There's never this gritty and real like right here. And then she's like, so she's praying. She gets down. She's crying. And she prays to... uh, I can't pronounce these. Malete... Neme and Iode. Uh, God, it's up here. This top one right here. Uh, Melite, Memne, Iode, something like that. I was close. I'm pretty sure this is like the three witches from the last two volumes. Like they're showing up again, and you can see it because it's like old, haggard, relatively average, hot lady. Yep, it's always how it portrays the three of them, and she's like. The three witches during volume one did mention, oh, we've gone by different names depending on the age and Clotho and the three sisters of fate. Yeah. So this is probably how she remembers them. Because she's ancient, you know, she's thousands of years old. And they show up and she's basically like, thank God you showed up, help me. And they're like, there's a reason we haven't shown up. We can't do anything for you. you, Your master owns you for all intents and purposes. You're under contract. But. You can't break the rules. There may be someone who can help you. Or, and and she's like, anyone except him. And she uses a different name for, 
Dream. Yep. It turns out Dream had a kid with her, and the kid was like brutally murdered by some other god figure, which I don't remember who they say did it. That's par, of course, for ancient Greece. Everyone just dies. Oh, they they kill each other all the time, or they're tricked into killing people. Like, I think, for example, Hercules, people have a very watered-down view of who Hercules was, because, you know, the Disney movie and all that. Yeah, of course. But if you read, like, the actual story of Hercules, Hera, like, mind controls or does something to him, and pretty much, in a fit of insanity, kills all his children. Sounds about right. Yep. So... Yeah, the gods are always dicking each other over and dicking over the mortals and killing each other and Hades just always gets the, the, the brightness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they point out that there's no one who can help you except maybe the Endless. And then she's like, they bring up Dream and she's like, no, not him. Apparently, shit went bad with them when they broke up last. Oh, and I his really name... don't want to contact my ex. Yeah, that's basically what it is. His name is Oneros. Hmm. O-N-E-I-R-O-S. Yeah, that, um, I'd have to look it up, but that's definitely an actual, like, deity in, uh, ancient Greek mythology. And it'll come up in a lot of, uh, pop culture, especially if you ever played any of the Persona games. Mm-hmm. Well, I've never heard of him, but they point out that even if we wanted him to help you, he can't, because he's imprisoned right now. Cause, so this is obviously happening... Yeah the majority of the story while he's still in that glass ball yep. um and she's crying and she's like don't send him and then by the end of it she says they leave and she's like pleading to come back please come back send anyone even dream i'm not going to try to pronounce that name anymore um and then it shows you that this guy is getting richer and richer by the moment he is blowing up his books are super successful he gets offered to write a play and then he gets chastised yeah he gets well no so he gets to write the play yeah and they're like why could they told me i couldn't write a play so i got found a new uh publisher and then uh he asks them if he'll make a movie and they say no so his play blows up and they're like just kidding we'll make a movie with you and he's like i've already got a three movie deal in the u.s america yeah i'm going to hollywood yeah, screw you guys. He's doing, like, interviews. He's got money. He's moving like crazy. He's doing all this cool he's stuff. He's moving on up. Moving on up to the east side. Moving on up to Deluxe Apartment in the sky. So he's going on, talking it over about, like, how successful he is. All the while, it shows her just kind of, like, sulking. You know? I mean, obviously, she's been raped for the past hundred years. And as we know from Dream... Uh, for someone who's like really long lived, eternal, endless, or whatever, immortal, uh, time just goes as slowly for them as humans. Yeah. So time is time. You can't imagine if it. like your wife just locked you up into the <laughs> attic for the next sixty years. Yeah, uh, was it sixty or eighty? Yeah, I think it was sixty. I think you're. I think you're on the money with sixty. Uh, I think that's how long she was with. Um... No, no, because he got her in twenty seven. So, yeah, 60 years from when the old guy caught her, Brown, to when she gets released eventually, I guess. Because this would be like 90 at this point, 1990. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. I think it, it actually has a, a time here earlier on in it uh, of what time it is. Let me see. Because like all the, all the scenes... March 1990 is the last date it gives you, yeah. Because all the... Uh, the few years of panels where he gets all rich and famous, it's like 1987, blah, 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 1988, 1989, rich and famous. So what happens is he's being super successful, and then one day he goes home, and Dream is sitting on a chair just right there in front of him, just like, oh, hey, hey, fella. Yeah. Hey, 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 old partner. Uh, let the girl go. Yeah. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't have any girl here. Side dash, side dash, look it around. And then he gets hit with the crisscross. He tells him to let her go. Otherwise, basically there will be hell to pay. Yeah, you don't fuck with Robert Smith of The Cure. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. Actually, he looks a little bit even like worse than The Cure. I mean, he's he's an entirely different monster than we've seen him so far. This is a completely new drawing of him new version of him yeah this is this is one of those chapters where like you said you get to learn more about dream and uh as we've seen in a hob he's a bit more um 
oh, I can't think of the word, when sympathetic towards other people since getting out of his cage. So we're, it's sort of like the connotation throughout the story is like, if this was earlier, uh, he probably wouldn't have helped her. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because of their bad blood. But after being trapped and she was in the same circumstance, he's like, okay, I'll fuck this human up for you. Yeah, it's actually worth noting that before he shows up, she actually, he comes to her just by chance. And, oh, well, not by chance. And she says, you know, they told me that you had been in prison just like me. And he says, they speak the truth. I was in prison, but as you can see, I'm not free. So he talked to the ladies at some point, and that's why he's here. Uh, but she begs him, set me free. So he shows up, he tells him, and he goes, I can't get rid of her. She's, you know, I'm so close. A few more years, and then I'm, I'm done. I'll be all set. And he's like, er, er, what is it? But you don't understand. I need her. If I didn't have her, I wouldn't be able to write. I wouldn't have ideas. Oh, and then so, what he does, oh I my gosh. so much. It was the best. She has been held captive for more than 60 years, stripped of all possessions, demeaned, abused, and hurt. I know how she must feel, and you will not free her because you need the ideas. You disgust me, Richard Maddock. You want ideas? You want dreams? You want stories? Then ideas you will have. Ideas in abundance. Which sounds kind of... Like, the, the way this could have gone, any number of ways, blow his head up, uh, trap him in hell, eternal waking, whatever. But no, he just spends the next, like, not even f- few hours. It really happens that fast, as far as I can tell. Just constantly talking through book ideas, basically. Yeah, <laughs> basically. He's just getting idea after idea after idea after idea so fast that he can't even write them down. Yeah, his head is, like, gonna explode. So he he's like freaks out in the middle of the public and he's like on the ground and his old publisher happens to be there and he's like i'll help you and it shows his hands and his knuckles are broken his fingertips are bleeding like he used his hands to write down the ideas by scratching into the cement. yeah because he ran out of ink so he's like I, I still have blood i have to get these ideas out and i think the like instead of like finding some way to kill him he had to like drive him insane in order for him to agree to release uh, Calliope. Yeah, so he's like, uh, he tells Alexander, go to my house, go to my house right now, let that girl out, tell her she's free, so this will stop. So he does, and when he shows up, there's just a book. Here comes a candle on the ground. She's already, whether dream set her free or him just saying it, maybe through some sort of like spiritual, mythological connection, she just. Yeah, probably uh, the way I interpreted it, the moment he said she is free, it was just like, boom, she was good, yeah. Uh, and then it just shows her having a little conversation with, with Dream, like, uh, don't you hate me? You know, I, I, you, you never forgive me. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm cool with you. We're, we're good. And she's like, well, please stop driving that man insane. Uh, I think you should release the mortal now. He has set me free. And he's like, all right, if that's, if that's what you want, I'll do it. Which is the first time you ever see Dream walk back on punishment. Dream's been pretty unrelenting up to this point. That's true. He's not a merciful person towards the wicked. Yeah, and she's like, uh, you know, hey, I could come see you sometime. And he's like, that's not a very good idea. Okay, have a good life. And he just walks away. And then the very last panel is uh, very, I mean, I don't want to say generic, but it basically just sums up this guy's thoughts saying, it's gone. I've got no idea anymore. No idea at all. Like, this guy's a blank slate now. I like to think of it as that. I don't like to think he got off scot-free. Oh, yeah. I like to picture it like, literally, he had so many ideas, and now that Dream stopped, he's wiped clean of, yeah, like... Yeah, that's exactly why I'm Any sort of too. conscious decisions, he's just a blank slate. But I wanted to see, it does explain what happened to their son, like, in a very short passing sort of... sort of conversation that I wanted to see. Uh, oh... Yeah, she had his baby. That boy child who went to Hades for his lady love and died in Thrace, torn apart by the Sisters of the Frenzy for his sacrilege. I bet there's some sort of... Yeah. Like, that's a real... Well, not real, but that's a uh, some sort of mythology. Some some sort of ancient... Uh, there is a story about a hero that goes down to Hades to get back his lady love. and Yeah, Hercules. <laughs> I saw the movie, okay? Not, I was, I, not Hercules. I have it on VHS. And uh, he goes to get her, and Hades is like, okay, you can have her back, 
But while you're walking back up to the surface, you better not look back. And he's like, okay. And then he's like, he's like missing her so much that eventually he does look back and then she's gone because he broke the deal. And he's like, oh, so maybe like he then like got killed by some furies later. But maybe, yeah, because this, this, this boy died. Not him, not after what he did to me. He hates me so much and I despise him. I- yeah, it doesn't really explain. I kind of want to look that up. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll do some research and then we'll report it at the beginning of the next podcast. This next issue, though, that it rolls into is called... Okay, so let's talk about cats. A Dream of a Thousand Cats. And I want to get, I'm want i going to give this to Christy and be like, read that issue. Because I just <laughs> think she would, A, probably cry like through all of it, but then B, think it was really cool. Oh, oh, yeah, there's a sad part of the world. Okay, your, your, your demon cat's no longer staring at us. Yeah, no, she let it go. She's having a dream. So, this one starts off innocent enough. Two parents got, or two parents, two people get a kitten, and they're taking care of it. You know, standard conversation. Come on, darling, come to bed, and leave the door to the kitchen open so the kitty can get to the litter tray. You know, typical whatever. Although it's a little saucy. Oh, Oh, come on, Don. If you don't get up here soon, I won't be in the mood anymore. Ooh. And it's a very, like, Pretty indoor, like hoity-toity, uh, white, long-haired cat, and this is where it takes it takes a quick turn. It's only three panels long of the people, and then it instantly yeah. transitions. But um, another cat comes to the window and is like, "Come on, hey, come on outside. It's tonight." Yeah, get it, get out, get yeah. out here. Come here. And she's like, "I can't, I, I can't leave. I'm just a kitten." And so this older cat t- kind of talks him through the process. Her, him, doesn't matter through the process of leaving out. So they start heading into the woods and then you find out that the whole reason they're heading into the woods is because some cat that they've heard of somehow is coming to give a speech. Yeah, it's basically. like, it's a folk hero cat. Like, yeah, this this great speaker of a cat that's come to share their message with us. And apparently, I, I guess cats have some sort of like system of communication where like- it's- Probably word of mouth, but yeah, like they all probably, cats are part of the same it's community. It's like baby geniuses, you know? Like, they can talk, but we don't know that they can talk, you know? That movie's a age-old gem. I was talking about, like, more like the cats have a society. Like, if oh. they've heard about this traveling cat that speaks to everyone, yeah. then, like, word right. gets around and they... Start explaining this one. I gotta go grab a tissue. Oh, yeah, you grab a tissue. Uh. So yeah, uh, the the house cat and the other cat, they go to this, yeah, it's a graveyard, uh, where there's all these other cats as well, and that's where they meet a female cat who's up on, sitting on top of a, the head of a angel statue, just like, I have a tale uh, to tell you, uh, a yarn, if you will, and it's a flashback of the speaker cat, so we're less focused on the other cat, the beginning cat, and more on this cat. And she's like, I was this house cat, and um, one day she was sitting on the window, and she's like a purebred Siamese cat. She sees this tomcat, and she's like, mm, I want a piece of that. And <laughs> I, love, I love the way I entered. Oh, yeah. And the tomcat's like, yeah, come out here, and we'll have some fun. Oh, you're already in this part. Yeah, Mama Cat's looking for love. Yeah, just... So this is... Remember when I, I showed up to your house and I was like, you know, it starts one way and then it kind of makes you more emotional and then more emotional. Yeah. This is it. It starts off with, like, overly descriptive un- understanding that cats need it. They, oh, yeah. They want it bad. And to be... And to, like, give the understanding, these cats are, like, thinking and talking just as intelligently as humans. Yes, yes. And so... Uh, the cat speaker is talking about her flashback and how she fell in love with this tomcat, this like this uh, uh, Burt Reynolds of a cat yeah, outside, yeah, yeah. just like I'm free hey, and I do what I want. Respect, yeah. Rest in peepers. And uh, you know he shows up, does his tomcat thing. Bangs are good. Yeah. Uh, which it actually uses like it's like what one when time for loving or something, and uh, it even uses the term uh, pleasure. Yeah. Like it was. My time for love, and here's my choice for lover. Yeah, and then, it, but it explains like with the kittens, like when she has the kittens, it says our pleasure like reaped the benefits of a litter or something. In the fullness of time, our pleasure brought forth offspring, yeah. a wonderful <laughs> unity of both our markings. Yeah, it's like it's it's really 
poetic writing about cats. Yeah. It's about just about yeah, pretty much cat. Yeah. But this is where it takes a turn. Oh yeah. Uh, so it turns out she is a show cat. She's a purebred. Yep, a Siamese purebred yeah. cat. And so, he's just like some mixed uh Tom Tom cat. Yeah, so this the parents, you know, the the two people who are raising these cats it, they're gonna sell them and she the one woman is like super pissed you can't sell this if you had known she was in heat why didn't you lock her up and they take all the kittens outside toss them in the river oh my god that was they they tie them in a bag yep tie it to a rock toss it in there and she, and she like explains that yeah. she could like feel their life force drift away as they died like from afar and yep. the whole point of this is that she realizes Cats are not, you know, the memes on the internet and shit, like cats are, you don't run the house, the cats do. This is like her version of, oh no, if they say something, you know, we're, we're subservient to them in every way, even if we think we have a good deal. Yeah, they merely indulge us. Yes. But we're not ever in charge. And and you have a good memory of this chapter. I really liked this one. Yeah. And I, I'm going to send it to Christy. It's, it was, it's cats, dude. It's cats. And she, and then this is where it gets a little weird. Yeah, she kind of like goes into a depression, I guess you would say, and just and the humans are like, cats can't be depressed. She doesn't even know (laughs) the cats are gone. Yeah, they actually point that out. I forgot about that. And she lays down and goes to sleep, and she wakes up in the dream world. Like, I need answers. She she wakes up in a bone yard. Yeah, and And there's a there's a a bone vulture. Yeah, that's like. Hey, what you doing here, cat? Don't you know it's dangerous around here? And she's like, uh, she has come for wisdom and revelation and all that. The bone vulture looks freaking sick. It's oh, yeah. Like body of a normal vulture and then a, a bone head. Pure bone headed neck. Yeah, freaking bonehead. <laughs> bonehead. <laughs> and the vulture's all like, you know, if you're trying to find that, you're going to go deeper into the woods, but I warn you, it's very dangerous here. And you're just a small ass cat. Which is a pretty traditional trope for like you know finding the answer you've got to deal with this struggle this pain this trials and tribulations and you'll get there and it's the same thing she goes through what was it cold she goes through like she thinks she hears her kittens calling out to her she goes through oh and i walked through the darkness through the void where everything was sucked from me everything that makes me what i am but even in the emptiness of pure nothing, no longer knowing why I was walking or what I was seeking, I walked onward. And after a time, myself returned to me. It's kind of like, you remember when Buddy the Elf made the trip to New York City from the North Pole and he had to go through the gumdrop forest and the candy cane, oh wait, candy cane forest and the, oh, I can't remember the Is other Is it one. Gumdrop Mountain? It might be Gumdrop Mountain. Same thing, you know, struggles. Rough terrain, uh, tricks and games, and Eddie, you know, Buddy makes it to New York. She makes it to the cave. Yeah. Now you explain. So she gets to the cave, and she gets uh, confronted by guardians, and one's a pegasi, another is a griffin. Sure, if you want to call that thing a griffin, isn't that a griffin? No, a, a griffin is a half bird, half lion. This is just... No, doesn't she yell at him? She yells at him. She's oh, like, does she call it Griffin? Yeah. I have come too far to be turned away now, Griffin. Oh, that's a weird-ass Griffin. Yeah. Oh, that's such an ugly Griffin. Griffin, yeah. a Pegasus, a dragon, and that's it. Griffin pegged a dragon. Whoa. <laughs> Griffin pegged a dragon. And uh, they, she says, I'm not, giving, I'm not giving you an answer. You go freaking screw. I'll tell, I, I came to speak to, what did, what did she call him throughout this? Like the, the dream, the, the master, the something. The dream lord. The dream lord. I wonder who that could be. Wah, wah, wah. Which is awesome though, because that means this, in, in their continuity, this is all a real story. Because dream is in the form of a cat. Like, yep, he's a, like a giant panther. Oh, just to sit with red eyes. And even he gets his speech bubble. Like So throughout this yeah. whole thing, all of the Endless have different speech bubbles. And Dreams is always squiggly black uh, with white bubble, text. With white text and a white outline. Yep. And uh, so he, whenever like he shows up, you know it's definitely him. Yeah. It, even if no... he's like a giant cat, you're like, is that Dream? I don't know. It could be a different thing. Then he speaks like, oh, it's Dream. They, they do that in like Justice League and stuff where... 
Batman's word bubble is gray with a black outline, and Nightwing's is uh, light blue with a dark blue outline, and Flash's is red with a yellow outline, so on and so forth. Huh. They do the same thing, so it's not uncommon in comics. I'm pretty sure if anyone's ever read one, they'll know exactly what we're talking about. But typically for the Sandman comics, the only one that gets special speed is the bubbles. Endless. Yeah. Yep. No, just... Uh, well, no, actually, all of the Endless do, do except Death, I think. Yeah, Death is normal. Yeah. I would have to go back and Because Desires was like red text. Oh. And what was the other one? Uh, uh, Despair. Despair. Maybe it was Despair's that was red text. Yeah, I think it was Despair. One of them. Yeah. And like uh, the Devils was like red text on black font or on a black background, remember? Oh, I don't. I'll do some research. Yeah, yeah. Keep talking. Okay. So remember, viewers, we'll have to tell you that as well as who uh, Morpheus' son was. The one that got ripped apart by Furies. Oh, yeah. They never give him a name. And so she's, like, looking for wisdom, and uh, Dream is like, okay, so I'm going to tell you a story about how things used to be. This here's a story all about how all of this cat stuff used to go down. <laughs> I totally fixed that at the end there. So he was like, there was once a time where cats were the dominant species on Earth, and they were just, like, gigantic. Like, these are giant cats. Not like a tiger... No, no, like full-on Tyrannosaurus Rex from Jurassic Park-sized yeah. cats. But they're shaped like house cats. Yes. And they're just as cute. And they're like, and humans were just these little guys that would go around during the day. They would like uh, pet and groom the cats. And they were like our little pets. And it was all good until at nighttime where we're like, okay, time to hunt humans. Which, that's such a messed up relationship. And, oh, this this one frame at the bottom is just it's yeah. just an outline of a cat's jaw well like its teeth and fangs and its eyes on black and there's the moon and it looks terrifying just like your cat no my cat is an angel you were just stepping to her the wrong way that's all i didn't even move. you stepped to her the wrong way don't let it happen again and then here's the nice parallel where uh just like how this cat is a speaker for cats, there was a, a human. Yep, Desires is yellow with black oh, text. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, there was a human who was like, uh, we're, I'm tired of being a cat's plaything and getting hunted by them and having them through them. But if we dream, if we dream, we can change everything. And it's not even a significant amount. It was, I think he said, a thousand, a thousand perhaps. It took only a thousand humans of dreaming for change, for change to happen. And the cat is like, so was this how things were? And then Dream explains, well, no. Because they dreamed so much, what once was no longer existed. They well, but not so they dreamed so much. It only took about a thousand. Yep. They rewrote the entire history of existence, so they're the dominant species. The best way to explain that for uh, people like Jake and DJ is the way the Shadow Men operate in John Dies at the End. Ooh, yeah. It's not that they changed anything, it's just that they made it so it was never not that way. Yeah, exactly. Like with Amy's hand, it's like, oh, it's gone. Wait, it was always gone. Yeah, it's always been gone. Actually, I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow, we should do a podcast about John Dies at the End Ooh, sometime. Yeah. I mean, that could be like a, a special like four-person one since we're all very much into it. That's a good point. That's a good point. Continue. Sorry. Oh, but while we're here, uh, Oniro, again, it's one of those weird spelling, Oniroi, Oniri, there's a couple different pronunciations it shows, uh, was just the name for a ton of different gods and demigods that ruled over dreams, nightmares, and Oniromantic symbols. I'm going to try to find about his kid, though. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then Dream is like, do you understand now? If you want the change you really want, you just got to get enough cats to dream. Yeah, basically the exact same that people did. Just go spread the word. Yeah, just a thousand cats is all you need. Just a thousand cats dreaming. And then it cuts out of the flashback. And she's like, don't you? Do you see it? Yeah. Do you see it? You can't handle the truth. And all of the cats do the exact same thing that people do when they hear uh, uh, some sort of like priest guy telling you the end of the world is coming and rapture is upon us. They're just like, 
All right. So, you, you're crazy. Yeah. And the little kitten's like, or do you think that's real? Because it sounded pretty real. Mm-hmm. Nah, you're, you're just a stupid kitten. Uh, no, there's no way. There's the, 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 the cat that uh, he or she, I don't know if the gender of the kitten, went out with is like, yeah, but how are you actually going to get a thousand cats to all dream the same thing? That's impossible. I am having the absolute hardest time finding anything about Morpheus's son. And then uh, there's a few more pages where um, they're just talking and they catch a rat. But eventually the little kitten uh, gets back home and she's like asleep in her little bed. And the humans are like, oh, what do you think the cat is dreaming of? Oh, I found it. Ooh. His name is Orpheus. Oh, Orpheus. Orpheus. Not not to be confused. With Morpheus. With Morpheus. It's Orpheus, and it's the son of Dream and Calliope. And uh, you, we, we do meet him later in the series. I won't tell you any more than that, but on the, uh, it might tell us this in the... I'm not going to read any further. It'll probably tell us that in the issue. I don't want to spoil that issue for me. <laughs> but yes, we do meet Orpheus later. So that's good to know. We'll have more to talk about. So anyways, yeah. Orpheus is actually the very first persona you get in Persona 3. Really? Yep. Huh. Uh, so yeah, anyways, the the kitten is the only one who buys it, and she goes to sleep that night and dreams. And the humans are like, oh, what do you think yeah. she's dreaming about? Cats don't dream. Probably the destruction of your civilization. <laughs> yeah. And then the next, I, I really can't speak to this one much. I was so fucking confused by this issue, because it is all yeah. in Shakespeare talk. Yes. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not smart when it comes to literature. And this issue was like Neil Gaiman being like, if I was to write Shakespeare, here is how I would do it. Lost me entirely. Okay, so I can understand everything that's going on outside of the play itself. Even that was confusing me because I had to try to go back and forth and I couldn't do it. Uh, But the play itself was just like... Well, I can talk about like the base premise of the story. Yeah. So I'll lay it down and then you you pick up my slack. So Will Shakespeare, if you remember from the last trade, I think we talked about it really yeah, quick. It's, it's a, the story of Hop. Yeah, I think we talked about it quick. It's really a passing sort of thing where he Will Shakespeare is like, I'm never gonna be a good playwright, but I'm not gonna give up. And you see Dream be like, he ends his that that day's dinner with Hob to go and talk to this person who's trying to write plays turns out it's William Shakespeare so this is where you see him come back he is headed to a undetermined location to put on a play for a a very specific person which turns out to be dream they put on the play for x number of mythological beasts and demons and gods and creatures oh so it's specifically the fae or fairies the fairy folk so oh uh, see that's one thing I completely glossed by so, like, uh, and uh, the king and queen of the Fae folk are Lord Oberon and Lady Titania. Mm-hmm. Those are real... Yes. Uh, and in mythology, they're uh, real figures. And if you read more about fairies in the Fae, you, you learn about, like, the summer court and the winter court. And they have this whole mythology that's tied to them. And it's a, a, a Western, European, British, like... Um, Celtic okay. uh, tradition. So that's mainly what uh, this deal for deals with. And of course, it was a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but some of what Shakespeare uh, touched upon mm. in his plays. Like, uh, this is obviously referring to A Midsummer Night's Dream, which I wish I could talk more about it, but it's one of the Shakespeare plays I have not read. Personally, I think I've only read uh othello romeo and juliet and macbeth hamlet 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 but yes uh so this is pretty much neil gaiman's explanation in the sandman universe about how he ended up writing a midsummer's night dream which is the title of the chapter yes and uh we learn a little bit later on in the chapter that from that conversation he had with Hob, uh, he made a deal that for in exchange for all these ideas, there are two times where uh, Shakespeare 
old Willie will have yeah. to write a play for or Morpheus. Yeah, not Orpheus, different guy. Morpheus. And he puts, but... And this uh, is play number one. Yes, and it's of just because. That's all he knows. He just knows he has to show up and put on this play. So, yeah. Willie Shakespeare talks to, like, their troop leader, which I forget the, his name, which I'm pretty sure it's, like, the real name of the troop. Is it really? Yeah. I know his son, Hamnet. <laughs> Hamnet. That's what his son is. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the leader of the troop, it's Richard Burbage, the leading man of Lord Strange's Men. Because, of course, back then, if you were a playwright or whatever, yeah. you would be in the employ of a nobleman, a lord, or whatnot. Because otherwise, you wouldn't actually make any money, and you'd starve to death. Uh, I'm trying to find if this guy was, uh, was uh, legit. What would you say his name was? Uh, Richard Burbage, and it's Lord Strange's Men. Lord Strange's Men is a real thing. Yep. Let's say Richard Burbage. So, pretty much the main characters of the troupe are Richard Burbage, the lead man, Willie Shakespeare, and Will's son, Hamlet. Richard Burbage was an English stage actor widely considered to have been one of the most famous actors of the Globe Theater and of his time. Yep. And uh, he died in 1619. Yeah, he acted in everything Shakespeare ever did. Yeah, Neil really does his homework. Yeah, you ain't kidding, man. Jesus Christ. And so, to get to this, like, green out in the countryside, no one's there except for Dream, who's in his uh, little Shakespearean outfit. And Richard's like, what? What's going on? And Will's like, this is who we're playing for. (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, but it's just a field. Oh, boy, this was a, what is he, Dream, like, calls him a fool he's like this was a play before your species ever existed this was a stage before you something like that and then he's like don't worry uh dream is like your audience is coming and then this whole big door opens up it's like it's a shape in the man in the countryside so if you were to like if you're up on a hill looking down this light man which is a can't really you'd have to see the panel but he opens the door and out comes all the Fae. And you have like a big close up of uh, Lord Oberon, Lady Titania, you can see Puck, and then a whole bunch of others. And so it's revealed hey, I had you write this play about Lord Oberon and mm-hmm. Lady Titania, and now you'll play it for Lord Oberon and Lady Titania. And throughout it, uh, later on, it turns out. Freaking, he does this every few thousand years. She's like, oh, I know this play. I know this story that you're doing. And uh, I can't remember what she says. She says, I've, I've seen it before a few times now. And he says, you'll, like, you'll see it again or something. He apparently just picks people, has them write these for these, and sh- has them show up like, all right, time, and, time again. And they mentioned that it's been a while since the Fae been to like, Earth. Yeah. They're living in their own world. And they've kind of like just... They're happy. They divorce themselves from the humans because yeah. the humans have progressed to a humans point where... Humans are dirtbags. Yeah, they're dirtbags. It's just a fact. And also during this story, we have like this little thing going on between uh, William and Hamnet where Hamnet's like, yeah, I, uh, Richard's like, it's great that that's your father. He's like, eh, it's not so great. He really doesn't pay attention to me. In fact, I think that if ever since he talked to Dream, yes. he's all about his plays. I'm pretty sure... If I died, you would just write a play about me. Yeah. Which, Hamnet, Hamlet, ha ha ha. I don't, hmm, I don't see it. I don't see it. But, he also says, uh, he says, like, we got together to go over my lines or something for a few, for ten minutes, and it's the most I've seen him in weeks, or something like that. Clearly, they do not have the best father-son relationship in the world. Nope. That's kind of a given. But, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. The ending I didn't understand. So we can skip right to the end. They put on the play. The whole time it's really funny. There's this big troll with a goat-headed guy on his shoulder and this dirtbag little hobgoblin. Yeah, the the, the whole story is like Puck, the, the, the fairy Puck somehow tricks Lady Titania into falling in love with, I think it's a, a donkey. Yeah, yeah. But, so at the... 
throughout it, while the play's going on, Puck decides, like, I, I can play Puck better than you can play Puck. He's like, oh, you did a good job, human, but I have years of experience yeah. being me. So he tricks him into, or he knocks him out, knocks him unconscious, and plays for him. So at the end, this is the part I didn't understand. Play's over with. Everyone's pleased with it. The Faye go back, but... Puck stays yeah. on the mortal realm, but it doesn't really... Exp- I'm assuming we'll see him in a later issue. Yeah, that's what Because it kind of just glosses over the fact that he's like, I'll be here. It's a really creepy panel, too, of his like face fading into blackness. Yes. I really did not oh, understand this part that at That is all. scary. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't understand it. I think it's just like for future reference. Yeah, in some way. And then the greatest part was the ending. They all wake up. Oh, during the intermission, yep, because uh, they want to get paid, uh, Dream's like, no, Richard, just just hold on about it. It'll be taken care of later. But Richard's like, no, I want to be paid. So he goes up to Lord Oberon. He's like, could I have some gold? He's like, sure, yeah. human. Here's some just gold. just a little? Here's, here's a lot of gold, just like a giant sack of gold. Yeah. And so they wake up, and they're like, did that even happen? He's like... Richard's like, I know what's happened because I got this gold. And he, you know. Yeah, it's just yellow flower petals yeah. that just fall out of the sack. You got freaking super grift. But I, I liked that. I did like the ending. They wake up. It didn't really happen, but obviously it did happen. I just didn't understand any of that issue at all. I really missed 90% of what happened in it. But yeah, we went through this one. We talked about this one pretty quickly. I would say if you're a fan of Shakespeare... And you've actually read Midsummer's Night Dream, and you know things about fairies and fae and whatnot. It's a great chapter. Yeah, like it is it is a nice take on Neil Gaiman with William Shakespeare in his universe, the Sandman universe. But if you don't have that much of a background in it, it's it's a nice chapter, but you're not going to get much from it. I exactly my problem. But the next one is right up my alley. The final chapter called Facade? Facade? Facade. Facade. So the final issue, Facade, is um, self-contained. You never see Dream in it. Instead, you meet a woman whose name is uh, Urania... um, Something like that. Urania something. But, well, you don't even see her name at first, but it's Urania Blackwell. Found it. Nailed it. They call her Rainy. And it's just painting a picture of how sad this lady is. Let me just read the first few lines because it's that intense. They say the cigarettes will kill you eventually. Fine. That's just fine. I only wish they'd do it faster. I draw the smoke into my lungs, extract the nicotine and the tar, and it doesn't do anything for me. But I like the smoke. I like the ash, the way it falls. I like, like breathing out the smoke. I like smoking cigarettes. It's something normal people do. I smoke a cigarette and pretend I'm normal, and I wish I was dead. That's all. That's the first page. It's the so heavy setup, and you see like she's putting out her cigarette in in a in a porcelain mask, like yeah. that's her ashtray. So as time goes on, she answers. She has to make a phone call to see if she gets her check, and it turns out it's a disability check. And the guy she's calling, she only talks to once a month, and it's like her favorite. It's the only thing yeah. she has to look forward to is talking to him. It's the to only time she gets to interact with another person, and it's she's not afraid to do so. Yeah. And his name is Mulligan. She's never met him. She's never seen him. He literally is just the guy who she calls when she wants to make sure her check's getting put out. And this whole time, if you'd been reading this story, you wouldn't really understand much, because she's just being kind of, like, coy about it. You know? Yeah, it's you one can, of those stories that like opens up. Yeah, you the, little bit little until you get to the end, and you're like, okay, I have a semblance of idea of what's going on now. The art helps in a major way because you start to see her with different colored skin. Her hair is changing color. Like she's, her face is almost not human. I mean, it's just yeah. You're wondering what is she? What is her deal? What's the deal with airline And then she gets a phone call for the first time in years, and it's a friend from back in the day. And then this is where it really starts to lay on what it is that makes her her. And it turns out that she worked, I actually looked this up after the the trade does it really short. She worked for the government. Yeah, the CIA, I think it it mentions. this guy right here, whose name it doesn't give you in this book. Is that Metamorpho? That's Metamorpho. He says, hey, 
because he went into this tomb same way the sun god ra was also there turned him into metamorpho so he goes in he's like hey why don't you go in there real quick and she's like okay i mean i'll i'll do it for the good of the team and you, and you notice from her dialogue early on that she's just like a very classic girly girl like oh my god oh okay that sounds so fun exactly she's just kind of like doing it because it's a job and then ra morphs her into like literally body is clay morphs her into freaking uh an element elemental girl or element girl or whatever and uh where is that i put a tissue in my pocket because i knew i'd need another one because i'm a genius oh and uh so smart so yeah he he turns her into and she's just miserable because she's a freaking at this her her body's different colors materials the whole point her whole power set is that and i think i said this earlier she can turn anything in her body into any element she wants and the issue with that is she doesn't have real skin and she tries to turn her face into real skin but because the composition that makes up living cells isn't uh repeatable like that you can't just make cells it turned into rotting flesh yeah yeah she can't it's not regenerative it's just like she made a slab of flesh yeah which is obviously gonna go bad (laughs) and rot away and so what she does is she turns her face into this sort of porcelain uh material and it works for a little while. The problem is it falls off after about a day or two. Yep. And she that's all she can do. So she goes out to lunch. And this girl she went out to meet is uh, some friend. It doesn't, does it really go into it? Uh, yeah, she's a friend she had back in the company. So the CIA. Yeah. And uh, I think it's, she's having an affair with another man in the company who's married and she's yes. pregnant. And she's basically just like, this is one of her few friends from the in the company that would understand, even though they haven't seen each other in years. And she just wants some help. But obviously, um, do, did you say what our main, our leading lady's name is? Yep, Rainy. Urena Blackwell. Yep, Rainy is just like, internally, I have way worse problems than this, <laughs> yeah. but I'm just glad you're interacting with me. I just have a skin condition. And uh, midway through the conversation, though, her face falls off. Whoop! Her face fell off. Just like as like a, a solid piece too. It's not even like some sort of like sliding in opera or repo the genetic opera. Her hair on the face like peels. Oh, no, I hated just, that scene. You so didn't like that? Did the face falling off? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And so she runs back home. She's all fright, and people see her. It's like, oh, it's a monster, and she's all crying and super sad. What's that stuff? Zydrate. Did you know Zydrate comes in a little glass vial? A little glass vial? A little glass vial. <laughs> and I can't remember the next line. Is uh, a battery. Battery. But anyways, so she runs home and she's, she's like, oh crap, I left my keys in my purse and I left my purse back home. So she turns her hand into magnesium and rots her way through the door. Because yep. that's what she can do. And then she's so upset and she mentioned before when she called the company, uh, uh, the man officer Mulligan is like her only friend. Yeah. But she can only call him like once a month. So she's so upset. She just wants to talk to someone. And she calls up the company and is like, Can I talk to Mulligan? There's no one that works here by that name. Sorry, ma'am, you have the wrong number. Yeah. And, she, and so she just devolves into a, a, a. I did actually really like this panel though, where she's like, Why am I even wearing this clothes anymore? And she just turns her body into, what is it? Nitrogen. Yeah, it just turns her entire body into nitrogen so she, so her clothes just falls because she's a gas and then instantly comes back as her true form, which it's like silver leg, one of her other legs brown. She has like black underwear. The right side of her upper torso is orange. The left side is purple, green hair, and like a gray face. Just a super hodgepodge of elements, which yeah. it never really goes into deal what they are. I think it's just kind of representative. And she just devolves into this depression, says she'll kill herself, and, uh... uh, The entrance of death is great. She's like, um, hello, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, and death's just sitting there, which looks exactly... Death never changes form like Dream does. No. Which I think is great, because death wouldn't change form, that makes sense to me. 
Um, but she's the same throughout. And then they're having like a light conversation. How'd you get in? Well, the door was open and I walked on in. Yep. Like, what are you talking about? And she realizes, uh, Rainy realizes, oh my God, this is death. Like she's here. Did you finally come for me? Yeah. And death's like, no, there's just someone up. Uh, a, a mother upstairs slipped off a, a ladder. I told you the door was open. I just walked in. Yeah, uh, uh, this is an entire coincidence. But, yeah. you know, I'm here to talk if you want to. And um, then Rainy just goes on about how she wants to die, but she literally uh, can't me, kill her. Let me read some of these because these are awesome. Yeah, go for she it. She goes on and on about the different ways she's thought of killing herself. And she's like, I'm not scared of dying. I want to die. I can't do... <laughs> so she says, I've been thinking about it for so long now. I can't slit my wrists. I don't have any blood. When I was at high school, a kid shut himself in a garage, took sleeping pills, climbed in the car, and turned the ignition. I can't do that. Carbon monoxide is just another gas to me. And my body just processes poison. I can't shoot myself. A bullet wouldn't do any real damage. So then I get more extreme. Now, this is where it gets... Like, if she did this... Ugh. Okay. This was what makes her power kind of awesome. Maybe I could sit at ground zero of a nuclear test if I could find one, but I'm afraid I could survive that. I think I would. Perhaps I'd be too radioactive, but I'd survive. Then no one would ever want to talk to me. Which is really sad that she throws that in there. Like, she just wants a friend. Like, that's all she wants. But then she says, I thought about transmutating myself to free oxygen radicals and just melding with the air. Or with added hydrogen, I could become water and join myself with the sea. But I'd probably still be conscious, just spread out all over the world. That would be hell on earth. Oh, yeah. If, like, I can understand why she wouldn't have done that yet, but that is the absolute, like, worst existence compared to what she's already at. Ugh. Ugh. But anyways, so she's crying, and she yells aloud, and Dream explains exactly like she did to the last guy who... Yeah. She... That's why I said. You said she... That's what I said. Okay, that's yeah, yeah, said. you said, said death. death. Yeah, said go, death. go ahead. Death explains to her the exact same way she did to the older man who at the end of volume one, she escorted to the other side. No matter what, everything dies. The only thing endless is death. Like even compared to all the other stuff, the only thing that's going to make it to the end is death. So yes, you may want to die. It will come, you know, it, it'll happen. Uh, when, oh, oh, and this is where she explains, right. Ra has been turning people into metamorphs left and right yeah anyone who shows up he turns into a metamorph you want to be a metamorph done yeah and she's like remember algon he was the roman centurion a metamorph like you he was only two thousand years old and he died in a volcano remember um and she goes on to explain that like ra's such an idiot he's doing this to fight a war a war versus the uh apep apep the snake that never dies and she's like except three thousand years ago he died and I've tried telling this to Ra, and he just doesn't take the freaking hint. So she's being a little blunt, I won't lie, but not in like an aggressive way, just in like a super cold way. Uh, I'm everywhere. You know, she explains, uh, in West Africa, a small village is being massacred by mercenaries in pay of their own government. I'm there. In the farthest reaches of a distant galaxy, a planet is being ripped apart by internal stresses. The planet was the home of many crystal intelligences. Calm and fine and beautiful. I'm there as well. Uh, I'm in the cars and boats and planes and hospitals and forests and abattoirs. For some folks, death is a release, and for others, death is an abomination. It's like a three-page, not monologue, but like one-sided conversation where she's like, I get it. You want to die. I, I get it. It'll happen. It's just not going to happen right now. I do like that this is a parallel to how uh, Volume 1 ended. Yeah. Where we get to learn more about death, and it's not, she's not painted in a derogatory Ooh. manner, because there's so much in our media that's like, oh no, death, don't die, yeah. death is bad, but this is just a nice uh, view of a very I gotta thing. sneeze mute the mic, because I gotta sneeze. Well, maybe I don't. Maybe it's a risk. Do. Unmute. And, um... Oh, so she explains to her... If you, want, if you really want to die... Just ask Ra. Yeah, just go ask him. She's like, I can't go to Egypt. Oh, silly. He's the sun. Just yeah. go outside and stare at it. Which <laughs> is pretty obvious from the get-go. I mean, I could get why she wouldn't think of that, but if he is the god of suns, or as death explains, one of them, um, yeah, all you have to do is ask the sun. So literally, she looks up, 
And she's like, oh, he's talking to me. Hey, what did she say? She says, like, I don't want this anymore. Or, uh, take your shit back or something. Yeah, <laughs> that- she spoke to me. Please, sir, I don't want to be me. Thank you for making me special, but I don't want to be special. I just wanted to stop. Can you make me normal again, please? Look at you. You want me, you want me to look at you? But you mustn't. You mustn't look at the sun. Oh, okay. And then she looks at the sun. And she, she turns to, not glass, but she turns to clay, to dust. It pulls. Yeah, to dust. It turns, it pulls everything out of her, all element, and just leaves her as nothing. And death just sits there and watches. And I think this, this is probably the saddest part. Because right after she dies, there's a phone, the phone rings, and death picks it up. And... It's it's Officer Mulligan, yeah. like her only friend in the world, and he's like, "Is Rainy there?" And Death is like, "No, she won't be able to be reached." Yeah, she won't ever. Like, I can't get her on the phone. You won't be able to get her on the phone. And she's like, "I'll see you soon," or "See you around," is what she says, which is just the most ominous thing be ever. Be seeing you. Yeah, yeah. Death always <laughs> leaves with "Be seeing you." It's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm gonna die. Cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is super depressing because this whole time she's just been looking for someone and she finally gets it after she's gone. And in the DC universe, that did kill her. Oh, really? Yeah, that no. that was her her swan song. They didn't give her any more story than that. So I read up on her. She So she, she w- went into that cave with Metamorpho and he's like, go over here. And she's like, okay. And she becomes Element Girl, right? Cool. So they're doing government missions together and they fall in love. For obvious reasons, they're the same thing, you know, there's, they can relate. Um, he is dating, I can't remember the name of the character, some other character. And he decides to break it off with her and go salvage his relationship. Immediately after he does that, the CIA or FBI or whatever she works for says, you're a bit of a freak and we can't use your powers, you'd be more of a hindrance. And they kick her out. and And that's where she starts getting disability pay. And she, and in DC continuity, she locked herself away, became a recluse in a depressed state for years, and then Neil Gaiman wrote her, her death in. That is the saddest story that of a character. That is depressing. Ever. Yeah, they didn't. That's not like him. Kind of like how he did with Doctor Destiny. He kind of like took that character and did something new with him. No, he wrote her death for the DC universe, and she came back, kind of. Um, in New 52, DC's reboot thing with Flashpoint messing everything around. She came back, kind of, but that that is... She's dead. That that just offed her. Ridiculous. I don't understand it. But no, that... I prefer that kind of comic. Like, I think Jake, he's constantly, he's talking about that. He likes the weirder stuff. I think he's going to love Sandman. And this no, issue Sandman's in particular, great. I think he'll get a real big kick out of. Because he's reading the new Sandman universe, too. So. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. But, all right, we got some D&D to get to. That is true. So, we're going to wrap it up there. I thought we were going to run short, but I was super wrong. Oh, uh, yeah, that, there is a lot more content in there than oh, yeah. we it's, thought. Well, because it's, it's, even if it is self-contained, it's a, Sandman's a little dense. I, I did notice, like, in, the, in like the last trade that there was some stuff we couldn't touch upon because we didn't have enough time. But this was, like enough information it was four just issues right just easy to get through the next one's back to a full size so we'll have to trim some fat yeah we'll figure it out otherwise figure it out this has been sandman and the machine i'm kevin i'm craig and thanks for listening i was busy dreaming about taking you apart and as you can see over here we have the man of the machine